G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. People who are far from God matter to God, so they should matter to us. We are fishers of men, and there are people hiding. we got to find them. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff is feeling pumped for today's message. What I mean is he's preaching from passages that get him excited and pumped up. Today we'll be in Luke chapter 19, talking about hide and seek, seeking out those who are lost in our communities, who are in need of a welcome into God's kingdom. We all have some experience of what it's like to feel alone, betrayed or guilty. And today's message is about reassuring us that all are welcome in God's kingdom. So open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 19 and we'll get started with Pastor Jeff's message on Today with Jeff Vines. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. We're in a series called Pumped and here's why we title it this. There are some passages in the Bible, it might be one verse, it could be a narrative, a story about a character in the Bible. It could be an entire section of the New Testament. But there are some passages that when they dawn on you, when the reality of their truth hits you right in the face, it's like everything changes. Nothing can remain the same anymore. So you look at it, you take it in, you digest it, and you think, man, that's it. Things got to change, man. This is I am pumped, and the blood courses through your veins, and your heart rate goes up a little bit, and you're ready to go. Here's the passage. Let me tell you why this one is so crucial. Because this is the DNA of our church. This is who we are. It's who I am. It's why I believe God called me to be here. Here's the passage, Luke 19, verse 8, a section of it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, first thing I want you to do, take a deep breath. On the count of three, breathe in and out. One, two, three. In and out. Relax, this is not a giving sermon. It's not. We've approached it from that angle before, but this is not a giving sermon. So here we go. Jesus, when he comes into town, is 10 days away from dying on the cross. 10 days away when this event occurs. He comes into a town in his ministry and he meets the chief IRS agent, a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Uh, Now you have to understand, folks, there are some vocations in the first century that carried with them a heavy social stigma. Okay, for instance, let me give you an example of one, a dung collector. This was an actual job, a dung collector. It's a career choice you could make. You could go over to Jerusalem Tech, see your guidance counselor, come home and tell your parents, mom, dad, I have decided my major, 
It's going to be dung collecting. I know it's unpopular, but it's my passion. Now, if you were a dung collector, rabbis actually made stipulations here. Let's say you were a young girl and you said, you know what? I see this guy. He's so cute. You know, I'm really in love with this guy and he's my soulmate. The only problem is I know he's got this job. He's a dung collector, but I think I can tolerate it. I think I can do it because we're so connected. Now, rabbi said, if that's how you started, but six months into the marriage, you said, man, I thought I could do this. I can't do this. The stench is unbearable. I just can't do it. Rabbis actually made a provision for you to be able to divorce your husband. True story. Dunk collecting right at the bottom of the ladder. But there was something worse that carried a social stigma with it than any other occupation, and that was tax collecting. In the people of Jesus' day, if you were a tax collector and you were a Jew, Hebrew, you were a traitor to the people of God. You had gone over to the dark side. You'd crossed the line, which you could never recover. And when Luke writes the story, he wants you and I to know that, you know, a tax collector is like a mafia king. It's like a drug lord. You know, it's like hitman, a corporate thief. Think about the people who really tick you off today. Can you say Enron? Or can you say Madoff and the Ponzi schemes? These are as crooked as you get. Now, that leads to the next question. Why on earth... If you're a social outcast, if you become a tax collector, would you ever want to become a tax collector? You say, well, that's simple, Jeff. Think about it. It's lucrative. Well, hold on a minute. In the Ponzi scheme with Madoff or with Enron, these are guys who hoped they would not be found out. So they were popular for a long time until everything came to reality. Zacchaeus, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad. Once you become a tax collector in his culture... You're automatically assumed to be trash. Social outcast, man. You were just thrown out of everything. And so why would you want to become that? Now, part of it, if I can meander just a bit, it's important that you know this, part of our DNA. Uh, What do we know about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Now, I'm assuming that's not how most men want to be remembered. (laughs) And even today, we talk about tall, dark, and handsome. Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. Maybe he had had enough of the ridicule. Maybe he had heard the song Short People one time too often. You know, it's a real song. Randy Newman, who wrote all the Toy Story themes, he says, short people got no reason to live. They got little hands and little eyes, and they walk around telling great big lies. They got little noses and tiny little teeth. They wear platform shoes on their nasty little feet. Don't want no short people around here. You know, that was a popular song. So millions of copies. Most people forget, as the Course actually says, only a fool actually believes that, that all men are equal and it's a beautiful world. But maybe Zacchaeus heard a little bit too much ridicule. Can you imagine him saying, you know what, I'm going to prove to you people that you can be somebody, that I can be somebody. I'm going to have power over you. and I'm going to choose a career that I'm going to be tall over you. And I'm going to lord my power and authority prestige over you. And the day is going to come when I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to knock on the door and I'm going to collect taxes from you on behalf of the Romans and I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to say, who's the wee little man now, huh? Who's the wee little man now? Maybe that was it. Power and position and wealth, they are merely the ways Zacchaeus chooses to hide his feelings of insignificance. Now, as always is the case, it never works. And so there's something intriguing in Zacchaeus' mind about Jesus. Now, he probably already heard the story about this dude named Matthew or Levi, a guy that was seated at the toll booth, and Jesus came by there one day and said, dude, what are you doing? Get up, leave your profession, follow me. Matthew did exactly that, or Levi. He just dropped everything, said, I'm following you. Jesus started following Jesus. Maybe Zacchaeus, I'm saying most probably, had heard that story. And then Matthew threw this huge party for all his tax-collecting friends, and they all came, and Jesus did too, and he was the last one to leave. 
So Zacchaeus is probably thinking, man, I want to meet the rabbi who part days with tax collectors. And so he wants to see Jesus, but he's got a problem. Crowds aren't going to like him. Man, you can't appear. You show your face in public like this, they're liable to run you over. You're going to be bounced around like the metal ball in a pinball machine. They're going to try to do you in. And Zacchaeus is trying to find a place that he can hide. And he finds a sycamore tree. And a sycamore tree is a good tree. Short, stump, you can climb it, but heavily blossoming. He can hide. Now the Bible says in verse 5 of Luke 19, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. The Greek language is a beautiful language. It tells us so much. Notice Jesus says, I must stay at your house. What, is somebody forcing you? Yes. And Jesus says it out loud. Why? Because he wants everybody in the crowd to know that God speaks to him and that God, through the power of the Spirit, is telling him that even though this is an important event and nine to ten days from now, Jesus is going to die on the cross, God has determined that he would spend this day with one man who is far from God. One man, Zacchaeus. Now, at that point, if you know the story, the religious leaders get really ticked. They're mad because they're thinking, hey, and remember the same people right now, they're saying, yay, Jesus is here. Woohoo!" Ten days later, they're going to be saying what? Crucify him, crucify him. So when Jesus makes his public statement out loud, they're probably thinking, man, we thought God spoke to Jesus. We thought Jesus was the Messiah, the one. And now Jesus is saying that the spirit of God, that God is telling him that he must go to Zacchaeus. Well, it's obviously now that he's not from God because our God would never tell Jesus, a rabbi respectable, to spend an entire afternoon with this tax collector. So he must not be from God. If you know Zacchaeus' story, it's a good one. It ends well. It's not like the guy who responded to the IRS specialized fund called Cheater's Account. Remember a couple years ago, the IRS developed a fund called Cheater's Account. And if you knew you had cheated the IRS and you couldn't sleep at night and the guilt was just so powerful, then you could send in the money you owed anonymously. No questions asked. Uh. One dude sends a letter into the IRS. It says, I have cheated on my income tax for years and I feel so guilty I can't sleep at night. Enclosed, please find a money order for $10,000. P.S. If I still can't sleep, I'll send in the rest. <laughs> so the conversion wasn't full. But Zacchaeus had a full and genuine conversion. How do you know that, Pastor Jeff? Because greed always surrenders to generosity at the point of conversion. And what Zacchaeus does, he comes out of hiding. He pays back everything he owes and more. He goes past work and law and obligation into opportunity to show grace and mercy to those he had offended. But what's really amazing is something else. See, last week I told you that on my study break this year, I had this epiphany, this revelation from God. And he's always reminded me that as a pastor... I cannot manipulate and coerce people. You just can't. We're human, so sometimes we try. You can sometimes make people feel guilty enough to do something that you want them to do, but they won't do it for very long. You can't genuinely transform somebody from the outside in. It has to be from the inside out. And I told you, I've realized that my job, and I'm learning all the time, so forgive me where you felt manipulated and pray for me. Because what I feel Jesus is saying to me now is, just give them Jesus, Jeff. Give them Jesus and I'll do the work. And so I want to show you Jesus in this passage and show you why it pumps me up. And the first reason is this. Jesus looks for hiding people. Can you say that? Yell it aloud. Here we go. On the count of three, we're going to say Jesus looks for hiding people. Number one, two, three. Jesus looks for hiding people. When Jesus called the original disciples of which you and I are now a part, what did he say? He said, come and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, come and I'll make you healthy and wealthy. I'll make you able to live your best life now. 
I'll free you up to do the things you've always wanted to do. I'll give you everything you've always wanted. I will make you lords over the earth. No, he said, come and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you an assignment. And if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to change the world dramatically one life at a time. You're going to be able to do things you never thought could be done. And there are people who are so far away from God who are hiding. Do you think they're not findable? Transformation is going to be miraculous. Lives that you thought were unchangeable all of a sudden become changeable. Marriages are restored. Children are renewed. Families are reinvigorated. But here's the part of the story we don't mention. It's like Jesus says this. If you fumble the ball, Christ followers, if you decide not to participate in this grand endeavor of fishing, if you get caught up in other pursuits and you get distracted and discouraged and you begin neglecting, hiding people, being loving carriers of the message of Jesus, the good news, there is no plan B. It's as if God says, I'm not going to send out a bunch of angels to cover your backside. I'm not going to drop leaflets from heaven. You're it. You're plan A and there is no plan B. And if you take up this challenge, you'll change your world and community one life at a time. But if you don't, you'll watch the lights on the world go out in your community one life at a time. You know, churches that turn internal die. When the focus becomes what I want, what I need, what I want, what I need, and that's all you concentrate on, and everybody does what, everybody makes, what makes everyone else happy, you start to die. You either die spiritually, or you die in your impact or ability to impact the world around you. The vision of this church did not start with me. I just have the privilege of being the third guy in the loop. Ron Keller, 30-some years ago, had a vision, and he said, God is calling us to reach the next generation with the power of the gospel. And he hired a, a young youth pastor called Chuck Moore. And a lot of people that go to this church go here because of the effectiveness of Chuck Moore's youth ministry. And they came to Christ through Chuck, or through, obviously through Christ, but through God using him as a tool, as an instrument. And then I get to come along seven years ago, but I'm just a link in the chain. The vision here started a long time, and the vision said this. We think that people who are far from God matter to God, so they should matter to us. We are fishers of men, and there are people hiding. we got to find them, and we got to go out and look hard for them. Now, let's talk about hide-and-seek for a moment. The game hide-and-seek. Think about it. My mother loved when her four boys played hide-and-seek. Now, she ruined it all. Because she said, look at my four sons. They're playing together, getting along. And she would find me hiding in the closet and bring a camera with a flash. Boom, mom, you're giving away where I'm hiding. Yeah, but I've got some great photos, <laughs> right? In the game of hide and seek, the more difficult job is the one who seeks, right? The seeker, everybody else hides. The seeker has to look continually for people who are trying to evade him or her. And every time he or she gets close, the seeker that is, to the person who's hiding, the hider can move farther away. And think about it just for a moment. The seeker gets no recognition, right? There's no great title as the seeker. Uh, in other games, the pivotal player gets a, a cool name like the pitcher, the catcher, uh, the center, the goalie. But in hide and seek, you're just it. Hey, you're it. Jesus knew the rule of the universe. God is it, the world is hiding, and the fisherman's role is to call Ali Ali Oxenfree. 
Come home. It's safe. Nothing you've done will be held against you. You're secure. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. Come on home. Come back home where you belong. Turn around. And Jesus wanted his fishermen to know that people hide for all kinds of different reasons, but deep down inside, they all want to come home. Oh, man. If you would have told me this 10 years ago, I would have said, no, no. But look, it's true. It's true that the, the person you think is the farthest from God that would never come home is probably the first person that will come home. Because all the yelling and screaming, it's all to cover up the fact of insecurity and insignificance and they want meaning and they want purpose and they want to find, they want somebody to come and take them by the hand and lead them home. People hide from God because of tragedy. God didn't do something in their past, but they feel so lost now. They're angry at God, but think about it. If God doesn't real, who would you be angry with? So they know God is real. That's why they're angry. And they want somebody to come and hold their hand and show them, hey, let me show you a God that maybe you've never met before. Some people hide because of shame. There's something that they've done in their life. They feel like there's no way God could ever forgive me because there's never been anybody seeking them to find them when they're hiding and to tell them, man, you don't know the gospel. It's a gospel of grace. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, man. And if you were good enough to be received by God, he wouldn't have needed to send his son to die for you. So come on home. It's safe. They hide because of fear. They're afraid. They really do want to come out of hiding, but they're afraid they'll be rejected by those who've found them because of their inability to live up to certain standards. People hide for many reasons. And I'm telling you, the guy that you think is so far from God that he can never come home is usually the guy that will come home first. He just needs you to seek for him. Patiently, lovingly. And even when he reveals to you the ugly side of who he is, that you don't get angry and enter into some kind of debate. You just keep loving when we played hide and seek when I was a boy, I was like 6'3 and about 150 pounds. Imagine that. It's like a straight bean pole. <laughs> and I was so skinny that I could hide under the kitchen sink behind the drainage pipes. I could contort and twist and turn. And it was a great place to hide. Uh, yeah. Until you realize that there are other things to hide there too. Like uh, mice and uh, garden snakes and maggots and things like that. On one occasion, I got stuck under the sink. Uh, I just put my arms through too many drainage pipes and I couldn't get out. And my brothers yelled, Ali, Ali, Oxen Free, come, come home. And I couldn't, but I was too prideful to admit that I was stuck. After all, that, no one had ever found me in this hiding place. So if I needed help, then they would know my secret hiding place. And so... My dad, thank God, didn't give up. And he kept looking, kept looking, because I started hurting and getting sore, and then things were all out of whack. And then finally, my father opened the kitchen cabinets. There it was. He found me. He got me out. I could breathe again. I was free. There are some people who cannot make it out of hiding on their own. They got to be sought. They got to be pursued with patience. They got to be loved in Jesus' name. Even when you see the ugliness, they try to hide. Sometimes it's in your own family. Can I show you Jesus? Jesus did not say, Zacchaeus, you change your life, change your job, pay back everything you owe, and then I might put you on my calendar of events for a visit. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, stop hiding. Tell everybody what you've done. Confess your sins right now. Start living a good and clean life, and I might come to your house. No. Jesus loved Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus got respectable. 
Well, that's a good place to pause for today. As usual, we'll come back to hear the rest of Pastor Jeff's message next time. Here's a little tease of what's still to come. So I want to show you Jesus in this passage and show you why it pumps me up. Jesus looks for hiding people. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.